today on the Rising Coaches Podcast. Uh, March 29th, and I remember getting hired, and my parents wanted to celebrate that. Hey, we're going to take it. We're going to go get a nice dinner. I was like, no, 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 no. I don't, I don't got time for that. I got to sign players. I got to do this. I got to. And they're looking at me like, what are you thinking, man? You got you got six months till the season, but I was so zeroed in on I wasn't going to fail. I was, I was going to come in with everyone a great program. And, um, you know, so just to kind of see the growth from there to now, um, junior college teaches you patience. Uh, it teaches you work ethic. It teaches you relationships. Uh, it teaches you uh, gratitude. It teaches you perspective. Today's podcast is brought to you by the Rising Coaches Association, the biggest coaching tree in all of basketball. Sign up for the Rising Coaches Association now for just $120 a year and become part of our community, relationships, and development. We talk about it all the time. There's no straight lines in this profession. There's only ups and downs. You need a community that knows exactly what you're going through and has been there before to help lean on during the rough times of the industry. You need genuine relationships, not just exchanging numbers, not just meeting new people uh, at the Final Four in the offseason. You should be doing it all year round, and we provide tremendous opportunities to create those genuine relationships all through the year. And finally, development. We have so much content and so many resources so that you can work on your craft and become a better coach. Because we put such a premium and an emphasis on helping you establish new genuine relationships, it takes all of the political BS side of the business out of the equation for you. All of that gets removed off of your plate. You can just worry about being you, making new friends in the business, and working on your craft and becoming the best coach that you can be and impacting the people that you're around on a daily basis. For more information, visit risingcoaches.com slash membership on risingcoaches.com. Okay, welcome back to another edition of the Rising Coaches Podcast. Today we are joined by Bethune-Cookman Head Coach Ryan Ritter. Ryan, what's up, man? How are you? Thanks, thanks for having me, Adam. Um, I'm doing doing well, and, and uh, obviously the circumstances are a little different for us getting together, but but I'm doing well, all things considered. Yeah, for sure. So let's, I mean, let's jump right into that. We'll get into like your background in a little bit, but uh, let's address, you know, the the elephant in the room or whatever. Uh, Bethune Cookman just came out what on Monday, I believe, and announced that they're not going to participate in sports for the for the 2020 2021 season uh including basketball which i'm sure is hard to swallow but i know those those decisions are probably complicated and and hard to come by uh how is i mean first of all how's everybody doing yourself your staff your athletes yeah i mean um obviously such a good question to start with but you know i I gotta kind of walk it back because it's um the answer to that is, is, is long-winded, but, you know, we found out on Monday, um, about 2.45, my AD brought me in and said, hey, you know, we're, we're being shut down, you know, we're going to opt out of playing college athletics this year. So I found out at 2.45, well, we were just coming back from a 14-day quarantine. You know, unfortunately, we had someone test positive, and um, so we all, you know, did our contract tracing. And so Tuesday, we were supposed to be back on the court, and uh, Monday was a transition day. So some guys were coming back in town, um, they quarantined at home. And so at 2.45 on Monday, my ID lets me know that that's, you know, the decision that's been made. And so an email is coming out from the school in about an hour. So we've got to make sure we, we want to be the ones to tell our guys um, rather than find out an email. So 
we had to you know tell 14 guys um, uh, about 3:30 through Zoom that hey, you know, unfortunately our season's been the, 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 it's been pulled in, and um, so that was in its own right. It was just really odd to tell guys you know through a, a video that uh, their season's over. So uh, we've been had a chance to meet with them face to face since then, but but really from Monday on, um, and it's been emotional. You know, you, you, you've got so many. You know, from the staff to the players, uh, so many uncertainties, so many unknowns, and um, you know, to be the first one to opt out, I think was really tough for some of our guys. Uh, but I don't think we'll be the only ones, and and, and I know that the administration has done it um, with nothing but our safety in mind. So um, just trying to answer questions and be there for our guys um, about kind of what's next. Yeah, um, I think you're right. I don't think you guys will be the only ones to opt out. Um, and usually once the first one, once the first domino falls, the rest kind of fall in line. Have you heard from other coaches, programs? I mean, obviously, don't name names, but that like uh, have reached out in the last 48 hours that, that you think will kind of follow suit? You know, it's hard to say um, because there's so many uh, there's so many rumors and so many things that, that you hear. And, and quite honestly, I, I hadn't heard that we were going to opt out, but I had heard some other spots uh, were. So I think there's definitely some some uh, you know people in, in upper administration, higher administration that are, are definitely having the same conversations that, that we've had here. Um, but I, I wouldn't be shocked here in the next you know seven to ten or or it might be 21 days. Um, but I wouldn't be shocked because I have heard some some people potentially opting out, whether it's uh, non-conference or whether it's actually for the entire season like, like we have. I know like in coaching, anytime, I mean, you got to deal with adversity, right? That's your job is to help lead your group of 15, you know, young men through adversity. Uh, and you always want to, you know, try to present it in a way that, you know, keeps people moving forward and, and focused on what they can control. Have you even had time to like process and, uh, come up with a plan of like what you guys will do this year? Yeah, you know what's crazy is is we've been approaching this season with uh, two words in mind and it's, it's flexibility and compliance. You know, we knew we were going to have to be extremely flexible with everything we did, you know, from practice planning to strength and conditioning to uh, being able to get into the gym. It might be 14 days. And so flexibility number two is just being extremely compliant with it. Um, whatever our AD asks us to do, whatever the health department was asking us to do, whatever the administration was asking us to do. Um, so those two words that are, are still ringing true right now. Um, but these first 24 to 48 hours, it's really trying to understand where where our current roster is. Um, you know, we 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 are the first one, so there's a lot of um, you know people that have questions. You know, from the outside, hey, can, can your guys transfer? Can they come here and play? Um, you know, and so really first 24 or 40 hours have been strictly focused on our players and their families and just communicating that number one is, you know, our institution is in good shape. You know, we're not shutting down as an institution. You know, we have made a, a decision based on safety. Um, so it's just making sure that all messages are very clear from our staff. Um, so there's not a lot of negativity that can creep in by lack of communication. Um, so that's really been the focus right now as we kind of shift towards the end of this week it will kind of become, okay, what does the rest of the semester look like first? You know, what does the spring semester look like in terms of can we get, you know, our hands back on, on working with our guys and are we going to be able to do um, stuff in our gym or, or is our school potentially moving to, to an online format? So kind of got a, uh, you know, 24-hour plan and we, 48 hours and then we'll kind of look at as these next 7 to 10 days kind of uh, shift, shift gears there. Gotcha. 
Um, yeah, so a lot, a lot still to be to be known, and and I'm sure it'll unfold uh, at its own time. Yeah. Uh, and of course, the NCAA already came out and said they're going to give everybody a well, basically a red shirt year if they want. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that essentially? So your guys can all come back and and keep that year of eligibility, and it won't count against them, correct? Yeah, yeah, and that's the uh, you know it's it's interesting because you know we have a, uh, a good makeup of guys. You know we have we only have one senior; he's a redshirt senior, so he's in his fifth year already. So you know he's facing a different challenge than maybe a first-time freshman is. Where um, you know essentially the the NCAA and and NJCA kind of I guess you could say kind of working together. You know a lot of questions are you know is is our freshman or sophomore going to potentially take the opportunity to play junior college because they can play for a year, but um, you know, we don't even know if they're going to have a chance to compete in the spring. You know, the, the questions of our juniors and seniors is, you know, hey, where, where does that leave me? Um, so many unknowns of, of what uh, constitutes eligibility, but essentially, yeah, everybody on our roster will, will have this year back and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll look forward to cranking up with them and, and hopefully have a heck of a, uh, you know, 21, 22 years. Um, that kind of leads me to my next question. Uh, and I promise we'll get to your background here in a minute. More important than me. Yeah. Um, so, like, along with that, you know, it's great that your guys can come back and they'll have another year of eligibility. And one of the things, you know, within college basketball over the last, what, five to ten years, really, is the trend of kids transferring, um, especially when they get, like, you know, an extra year of eligibility or a red shirt. Uh, you guys haven't been hit too hard. Like, how have you been able to keep uh, your team intact there, Bethune-Cookman? And, I mean, that's such a big part of success, especially at, like, low to mid-major basketball is, like, some continuity. Uh, and you guys have done a really good job with that. Yeah, and, and I appreciate you saying that. Um, you know, I think it starts – we've got an unbelievable staff, man. Uh, these dudes buy in to, to uh, you know, treat people the right way. And, and we talk about the student-athlete experience. So, well, you know, whether you play – uh, six minutes for us, you play 36 minutes and you're all conference or, or you know, 14th man is a walk-on. Um, we talk about creating an unbelievable student-athlete experience. And obviously it's easier for some guys, the guys that are getting to play more, the guys that are getting to shoot, the guys that are getting to score, um, their student-athlete experience is usually pretty good. Um, but we really put value in uh, spending time with these guys on and off the court. And I think that each one of our guys uh, can, can truthfully say they feel valued here. And so when you, when you do that, um, I'm not saying it's a, it's a guaranteed recipe for success, but you know, the 14 guys we got on our team this year, uh, they know exactly where we stand with them and, and where they stand with us. And, and I, I really believe that um, we've poured into them and, and they've trusted us. And, and it becomes hard uh, when you really care about someone uh, to look at other options. Um, and and, and I'll, I'll be frank and say, there, there's people right now trying to get our guys 48 hours, 24 hours into them finding crushing news. And we've got guys, and I'm not, I'm not upset about it. Um, I wish some guys would go about a different route of maybe, um, you know, contacting a, a coach or a parent first. But, um, you know, we built such a relationship with, with our guys that, um, you know, I, I think they, uh, I think they really value where they are. Uh, it doesn't have to do with the name on the front of their jersey. I think it has to do with uh, the relationships they're creating with their teammates and their coaches ultimately. Yeah. And that's what you just touched on is, is obviously so crucial. It's definitely easier said than done though. Like, how are you able to build those relationships? How are you able to have those conversations? Like you said, with guys who aren't 
you know, getting all the shots, getting all the minutes, uh, and, and maintaining those relationships through that. Yeah, it's, it's one of the hardest things to do um, because, you know, we talk about recruiting, there's three things that, that'll, you know, hopefully that'll make you have a great college career. And it's, it's number one, having a relationship with the staff. Number two, having a relationship with your teammates. And number three, the opportunity to play. And if you can knock off all three of those, most likely you're going to have a kid that has a heck of an experience. Um, but kind of what you're asking is maybe the, the kid that, you know, we traditionally play seven, eight, maybe nine guys, and, and you've got 14 guys on the roster. There's going to be five guys that um, are a little upset. So I think with everybody, um, it's, it's direct communication, and, and it's, it's, you know, building that, that bond of trust where when you are 10 or 11, it's talking about preparing for your moment. And then um, more importantly, though, is, is creating value off the court. You know, this thing's going to – we're all going to stop playing. Heck, we stop playing this year. Um, it may be the last time one of these guys ever touches the ball um, if they're a senior. Um, now, so so our goal is you know to create value outside of just being in that gym. And I and I think one through fourteen, you know they, they can sit here and look and say, man, Coach Reed knows my mom, my dad, my sister. You know, Coach T uh, understands uh, what I might be going through on the court. You know, and, and I think that's uh, that doesn't change whether it's basketball, whether it's business, whether it's the church. You know, it, it, this thing is all about relationships and. And uh, the one thing you can say about young people, they can cipher between real and fake. And um, we don't have the nicest facilities, don't have the nicest resources, um, but sometimes I think that makes it easier to build relationships because it's raw and you get a chance to really know um, what your guys are about and you get a chance to know who the staff is. So I think that's kind of been our thing is harping on that rather than harping on material things. And just quite honestly, Adam, they really don't matter, really don't. Are you pretty upfront about that in the recruiting process? Like you're not like trying to hide the locker room or anything. You're just like, Hey, this is what it is. Like if this is important, I mean, like, how do you spin it? Yeah. So, so my AD always talks about, you know, there's, there's two things that make universities buildings and people. And uh, I'll be the first to tell you, we do not have the nicest athletic facilities, uh, but we got a gym that has a, a 94 foot court and it's got a 10 foot hoop. We got a locker room that allows you to change in there. And so, uh, our buildings are, are, are just okay. I'll be transparent about it. But the people, the people are phenomenal. Um, you know, he tells a story that um, when he went to, uh, you know, the city up in the Northeast, he, he got there and he said, man, this is the nicest building I've ever seen. It's beautiful. It's got all these, you know, features and this and that. And he said, sure as heck, I looked on it and it said federal penitentiary. And he said, that was where it hit me right there. It was like, man, it's not so much about the the building but it's about the people and and so in the recruiting we don't hide it here's what we got now i'll tell you this you don't may not have a big facility but that baby's rocking i mean you you fit it gets the capacity and it's very very hard to get a ticket in our gym um and when you're in there it's loud and and, and it's it's a blast so uh, we've got plenty to offer in terms of education uh, diversity people uh but really uh man it comes down to, to relationship building for us i've played in that gym and it is very very loud very loud. Not the easy. Got the band going and, and it gets people fired up in there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, Ryan, let's let's talk a little bit about your background. Um, you're you're in the state of Florida, uh, which is where we both we both came up. Um, like I, I think people know who you are for the most part or um, know your story or your background or know of you. Uh, but I don't know that people on the national level know as much about, you know, who you are, where you came from and all that. So um, 
let's let's jump into that. Um, and you know, I think we have to start off by talking about who your dad is first, right? Yeah, um, yeah, it's funny. That's usually the first question with people that are familiar with Florida. Um, and, and I always answer with, well, you know, it really starts with my mom and my dad. Um, because, you know, obviously my dad, uh, he's, he's an NAI Hall of Fame coach, has over 700 wins. Um, he's been at Embry-Riddle, which is now NCAA Division II school. He's, he's been there um, for 31 years and, and just led them into their first Division II uh, national tournament appearance last year, although it got cut short. Um, but, you know, I think that the backstory that is my, my dad was an assistant at Berea College and lived in a dorm for eight years. And uh, that was before he got his first opportunity at Timber Riddle to be the head coach of a program that had no scholarships, no jam, and, you know, kind of built a, uh, you know, built a really nice power, powerhouse program in the state of Florida. But the reason I always bring my mom up is, you know, now that I'm married and, and I got two kids, I, I, my wife is the best. I mean, I, it, there's, she's awesome. And, um, to think about my mom living in the dorm for eight years with two kids, I just, man, that's pretty powerful stuff. So, um, you know, we talk about my background, everyone's like, man, your dad's this. I'm like, yeah, my dad, but my mom, my mom lived in the dorm for eight years. Um, but that's kind of, your, Ryan, would your wife go for that? She, you know, what's crazy. She would, man. She, she really? absolutely would. Now, um, you know, I would be like, like you know, you know, she, she would. <laughs> yeah. So, my, my wife would kick me out of the dorm if that was the case. Hey, you know, everybody's got sacrifice. You know, everybody's got to step forth a little bit. But, uh, no, so, so, you know, obviously my dad's been very, very successful at, uh, at Embry-Riddle, and, and I had an opportunity to play for him and, and hopefully coach alongside him before I, I, I kind of jumped into the, the next phase of, of my career. So, um, obviously, he's been very impactful. Um, and, you know, I learned the relationship building. The, the you know, it's funny. We don't run a lot of the same stuff, X and O's, because we're in different programs. But in terms of the way you treat people, and the way you build a program and, and, and run it with integrity, um, that's absolutely learned, learned through them. Yeah, no question. And, and you guys both share that that trait. You guys are both uh, extremely genuine people. Like you are who you are. Like you just said, you treat everybody with respect. You treat everyone the same way. And that probably is the the foundation for your both of your success, I would imagine. No, I, I appreciate you saying that. I mean, I think, you know, we all have these goals of, um, what type of person we want to be, what type of coach we want to be, what type of father we want to be. And, and, and you know, we all fall short. Um, but I think for me, having someone to look up to every single day that, in my opinion, is knocking them out at the highest level, um, you know, that's been, that's been fun for me to chase and, and, and ultimately try to try to learn from him and, and uh, you know, build our program, you know, a mile away, um, you know, built on a lot of those same principles. So I feel like kids either want to like follow in their parents' footsteps and do what they did, or they want to like fight against that and do, do the opposite. Uh, did you always, you know, grow up wanting to coach or there's, was there a period of time where you're like, uh, well, you know, I thought I was going to play in, in major leagues. Uh, I thought I was going to be a shortstop for the Cincinnati Reds. Um, that dream kind of ended around my junior year of high school. And then, so if that didn't work out, I figured I was going to play in the NBA and, um, that one, that one didn't go much further either. So after that was when I decided uh, I probably needed to look at something different. And, uh, you know, for about 18, 19, 20 years old, that's when I knew. Uh, didn't know if it was coaching for sure, but, but knew I wanted to get in and help impact young people. And, um, you know, my mom's a teacher and my dad being a coach. Uh, just that, that's kind of how I knew that's the route I wanted to take. And, and been, been really fortunate. Um, tried to work really hard here these last 15 years. And, and now we're fortunate to be able to come with it. 
Um, so let me make sure I got this right. After you played, uh, did you go? To, you went to Campbell, right? As an assistant for three years, maybe. Yeah. So so after uh, I played for my dad, I actually moved up to North Carolina and uh, worked as a, a high school uh, or what was I J, high school JV coach. Um, so I did that for a year, and I worked uh, for one of my dad's former assistants named Rick Seymour. He ran like an international sports sport company. So I, I did that for a year. And then I came back and worked for my dad. Uh, well, I volunteered and I, I sold media guides on the side and lived at my parents' house because my dad wasn't going to pay me. Uh, but my mom felt bad, so she was slipping me some money here and there to make sure I was, I was doing okay. Uh, so I did that for a year and I was really fortunate to link up with Coach Lane at, at Campbell University and um, him, Charles Baker, Brian Bird. Uh, you know, they gave me an opportunity for three years and uh, – you know, learned a, uh, learned a ton of my first Division One experience. Um, you know, learned just how hard this this level is. Um, got a you know unbelievable respect, and and just Coach Lang has given me an opportunity that most people wouldn't. About twenty five with no Division One experience, and um, took a chance on hiring me. And then from there, uh, really really fortunate. Will Dunn, the athletic director at uh, Daytona State, hired me. I was twenty eight, no head coaching experience, and had a chance to run um, you know one of the best junior college programs in the country. And uh, did that for four years at Daytona State, and, and ultimately that led me to uh, being hired at the Tim Cook. And so been been a quick journey, but uh, been been a lot of powerful experiences, and a lot of people I'm just so appreciative to, to take a chance on on the court. Did you know you wanted to be a head coach at an early age? I mean, everyone wants to be a head coach, right? But like, yeah. you probably could have kept going down the Division One path, and you know, go from low major to mid major to high major, and you know. Uh, go go that route uh was it more appealing for you to get your own program you know it was um and, and there's you know man there's no right way to do it in our business you know you, you, you're, you're out one day and you're gonna get fired the next day and so there's so many so many different ways to do it but i, I did know um you know i did know very young that hey I, i'd love to have the opportunity if ever if ever granted to, to run my own program just um, you know, I've seen so many people, so the, the amount of people that, that my dad has had a chance to impact, I just thought that, you know, that would ultimately be the best way I could do it if I had an opportunity to run a program. And I've um, been really fortunate that the two separate classes took a chance on me to, to allow them to leave their program at, at their institution. Um, all right. Talk about the Daytona State experience. So, as you mentioned, one of the better JUCO programs in the country. I don't think it was winning at that level when you took over, but you spent four years there, one four conference championships, uh, beat out my, my boys at College of Central Florida and Tim Ryan. Uh, but uh, what was that? I mean, like, what was that experience like? Your first head job, you're at the JUCO level, uh, which you hadn't coached at. Um, and you know how JUCO is. I mean, you're, you're constantly reloading a roster. You're constantly starting from scratch. You got to do a lot of teaching. You got to wear a lot of hats. Um, what was that like? Do you just remember like that first month, the first couple of weeks, whatever, just being like, holy cow, this is a lot. Uh, man, it's, it's funny. It brings a smile to my face because um, I absolutely love junior college. And I had, I had four of the best years of my life at Daytona State. Um, you know, I hired Dominic Taylor as, as my assistant, and he's my associate head coach uh, and, and best friend today at the Phil Cook. And so the relationships you make there are just so genuine. But I'll tell you this, man, I, this is how I'm mature and, and how young, and I'm still – Still making tons of mistakes, but when I first got hired, it was uh, it was like March uh, March 29th, and I remember getting hired, and my parents wanted to celebrate. I can't remember we're gonna take it. We're gonna go get a nice dinner. I was like, no, 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 I don't, I don't got time for that. 
I got to sign players. I got to do this. I got to. And they're looking at me like, what are you thinking, man? You got, you got six months till the season, but I was so zeroed in on, I wasn't going to fail. I was, I was going to come in with a great program. And, um, you know, so just to kind of see the growth from there to now, um, junior college teaches you patience. Uh, it teaches you work ethic. It teaches you relationships. Uh, it teaches you uh, gratitude. It teaches you perspective. Um, and so, you know, when I did take over that program, you know, not disrespecting, they've had a lot of great guys come through there, a lot of great years. You know, Brad Underwood, uh, one of my mentors, was, was unbelievable there. A lot of guys have done nice things, but unfortunately, I took over, um, I think they were 4 and 27 the, the year that, before I got there. And, um, you know, we know we, we signed 11 guys that year, and we were pretty fortunate to, you know, we beat Tim Ryan, who was the national uh, champion the year before. They had a loaded roster. We were fortunate to, to win that first championship and, you know, kind of just the program started to recruit itself the next two, three, four years. And, uh, you know, Florida is such a tough state junior college. And, you know, to be transparent, we, we were we weren't good enough to get out of the state. You know, we kept losing in that final four. And um, there's just so many good coaches, so many good teams there that, um, you know, we just couldn't get, quite get high enough to get to Hutch. And I got unbelievable respect for, for the guys in this state and, and just junior college in general. Yeah, it is such a good league. So many great coaches, like you mentioned, and so much talent. I mean, each team is loaded with with player after player. Um, where you go watch Juco basketball in other states, and, and other states are really good too, but they don't have the depth. You know, they don't have eight, nine guys that, you know, can really impact the game uh, in multiple ways. What Talk about that. Talk about, like, your recruiting and evaluating. You've always had uh, great talent. Uh, maybe not the most high, highly rated guys, but I think both at Daytona and to your teams here at Bethune, you had really talented teams. Is there a certain thing you're looking for on the recruiting trail in terms of like them on the court? Um, let's talk about that on the court first, and then we'll get into off the court. Yeah, um, that's a good question because going back from, you know, I was at Daytona State four years and one is my fourth year here. So, that's seven different teams. And, um, you know, I, I think the, the first thing is you, you got to look around and realize, okay, where am I? Who fits this spot? Um, and because it's different for, you know, if I'm at Daytona State or I'm at Bethune Cookman or I'm at Cornell or I'm at Georgia Tech or wherever I may be, I think you, you got to, first you got to evaluate um, your situation. And so, you know, fortunately, when I took over at Daytona State, um, you know, I had rehearsed that a hundred times before I got the actual job. I knew our plan right then was to go and upgrade talent. Um, and we really thought if we had brought in a talented class in the first year, um, then we could really spend time recruiting um, the student person players that we wanted in year two, three, and four. And I think that's why sometimes it, it, it's really hard to build a program. You know, I think so many guys have good teams. Um, and, and we've been a product of some of those where we've had some good teams, but it takes time to build programs. And so when I look from the, the thing I'm most proud about from Daytona State, we graduated 96% of our kids. Um, you know, we, we were the top academic team in the state multiple years. And that first year, we, we had to take a chance on a lot of guys because we were coming off a, a year that they weren't very successful. So we got the job. We didn't have a chance to maybe evaluate every facet of their life, um, but we knew talent was important. And we knew we wanted guys that um, were big-time competitors. And I think sometimes we evaluate, we evaluate shooting this, this, and that, but do you compete? And um, I can say this, I believe we have guys that compete every day. 
And um, same thing at, 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 before Cookman is they were coming off a couple down years. We had to upgrade talent. And so we took some, you know, we, I think we took nine we, that first year. We took seven transfers my first year, um, four of them being named all-conference in our first year. And that was some guys maybe that were overlooked or, or maybe had a, uh, needed a second chance. And as we took all those um, guys in the first year, I think it allowed us to recruit in year two, year three, year four. We could really build relationships and get to know the ins and outs of every guy. And, um, you know, right now that's why I'm so crushed that, that our decision to opt out because we're in year four. And I don't know, you know, we're going to be picked low on paper, but – um, Adam, I'll say this is as excited about a team as I've ever been because I know what those dudes do behind closed doors. Um, so it's all – in terms of the actual players that we look for, it's kind of changed, man. We've taken big-time athletes that rebound and play really hard and run up and down the floor, um, and we still like that. We, we, we love to rebound. But I think the game's evolving. I think you got to have multiple guys on the floor that can shoot. Um, and we've kind of shifted that way, um, you know, here as of late. Yeah, you, I think back to, like, you've always – Clitrell Pope, obviously a rebounding machine. Uh, even back to your Daytona days, uh, who was it, Nashad Mackey? Is that – Nashad Nashad Stimmage, um, the Tanks of Epiani, Clitrell Pope, Sean Trez Davis. We had some guys that like to go up above the rim and, and, and grab the ball. <laughs> yeah, no question. Yeah, so it's clear you covet, like, toughness uh, and that competitiveness like you talked about. So, like, if you're in an AAU game, that's really – that's what stands out to you more than anything. First, you're looking for like the hardest playing dudes on the floor. You know, it's yeah, I think that's absolutely like what we always say. Motor wins, motor wins, motor wins. Um, guys that play extremely hard, they're, they're just hard to beat. You know, if you're going to have a guy that, that will play for 40 minutes as hard as he can, hey, uh, we'll sacrifice some talent for that. But um, your culture has got to be in place where, where, where you can do that. Um, I think as we've been fortunate – going into year three, year four, and, and hopefully year five is um, now we're handpicking pieces where the first year or two, we're literally taking seven, eight guys in a recruiting class and you're just kind of hoping it works out um, because you don't really know the basis of your team. Well, these last two years, we've only recruited one or two or three different guys. And so we can say, hey, we want the best shooter in the gym. Hey, we want a guy that maybe a young guy that is okay coming into red shirt. He'll, he'll play behind folk and um, you know we'll, we'll develop him. Whereas the first couple of years, you don't really have that uh, flexibility. And so I think as things have changed, yeah, motor is always going to stick out. But, but truthfully, man, shooting, like we, we've got big kids that can shoot this year. I think that would be, we would look different than we traditionally looked here. But I, I think you got to do that if you're, if you're trying to grow with the game. Yeah, you talk about year one at both Bethune and Daytona of, you know, you needed to sign a lot of guys and, uh, you know, you couldn't be too picky or whatever. Uh, but you won championships both in your first year at Daytona at a, at a program that you said you took over and won, what, four or five games a year before. And you won a championship at your first year at Bethune uh, at a program that, you know, I don't I don't have the numbers at my fingertips, but historically has not been, you know, in the top half of that league. Um so what do you kind of attribute that to, you know, like you bring in a new team, you sign a bunch of guys and bam, immediate success. Like that's not, that's not the norm. Like, you know that, right? <laughs> um, I, I think the first thing is uh, we got an unbelievable staff. I mean, it, we have an unbelievable staff uh, that, that's willing and, and you know, we, not that they're not yes men. We, we all have our own views and thoughts, but they have one thing in common. Um, they care about young people. 
Okay, so that allows us to line. We can coach guys hard. We can tell them the truth because they know when the door's shut and the guys leave the gym, the gym, the guys know we got their back. Um, so we have, you know, four guys on our staff that are extremely aligned in our vision of how to run our program. Uh, but I think realistically is how did we find a chance to have success both of those year ones is, and I said it, I'm not going to hide from it. We recruited really good players. That's number one. I haven't made a jump shot in 11 years. Don't see it happening anytime uh, soon. So number one, give those guys credit because uh, we recruited really good players. But um, really what we did too is we, we never talked about wins and losses in year one. We talked about getting better day by day. Um, and we didn't focus on 100 different ways to guard ball screens or do this. We focused on really three things, you know, playing really freaking hard, playing great defense, and, and sharing the ball. And we thought if we could do those three things, we didn't even talk about anything else. Um, you know, we thought we were going to have a chance to, to be successful. And, and, and really, that's it sounds <laughs> pretty easy. But every day when, when you're doing rebounding drills for 30 minutes and you're doing perfect stops and you're doing um, kill drills, that's going to develop toughness on your team. And, and we thought if we had, because we had talent, we thought if we had toughness and the kids would play together, we thought we could be really successful. And um, the last part of that is, man, we had great luck. You know, it, 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 it takes some luck to win championships. And, you know, we, we got a, a buzzer beater at Howard. You know, we had some, some nice things happen that first year. And, you know, if they go the other way, maybe finish second, third, or fourth, and, and we don't have that. So uh, it's a tribute to the guys, you know, that doing what we asked them to do. But, but really, man, just – um okay i want to talk a little bit about like your transition we kind of hinted around it but uh after four years at daytona you get the opportunity to go coach at bethune cookman which is in the same which is they're both in daytona beach um but obviously you know like bethune cookman is a hbcu um you're white obviously uh so like, you know, I think that's a little uncommon. It's not unheard of. Um, but what was that? I mean, did you have any pause, hesitation about, you know, what it would be like coaching at HBCU? Did they have hesitation about you? Uh, you know, kind of talk about, you know, the decision making and thought process behind getting that job. So it's a, it's a pretty unique story. Um, you know, it's 2017. We had, we had uh, a really good team. At Daytona State, we actually lost the TCC. Oh, I'm sorry, we lost to St. Pete in the uh, regional uh, quarter of semifinals. And we had been leading all game, and, and uh, there's had some tough things happen down the stretch. And, um, you know, just thinking, man, like, and not to get, you know, too crazy on everybody, but that was the year uh, my brother had passed earlier that year. And we thought, man, this is God's plan. We're, we're going to get to the national tournament this year. We're really good. We're number one or two in the state. And, uh, and all of a sudden, we're up with two minutes to go. and Things go haywire and we lose. And we're sitting in that locker room in March 2017. I was like, oh, I said, man, man, this is what we're supposed to do. And, and I remember, you know, basically saying, like, hey, God, come on, man. I thought we were supposed to go to punch. What happened? And he must have been laughing at me because um, within the next two weeks, I, I actually was, uh, you know, uh, interviewing for a Division II head job. And, and I really thought I had an opportunity to get that one. Um, I was messing around with some Division I assistant jobs. And, and I just wasn't quite sure. I was like, you know, God, you know, just help me give me a sign of what we need to do. And that was when Lynn Thompson, the AD at Bethune Cookman called and um, really just we had we talked for went to dinner went to dinner about two and a half hours and um, kind of talked about the impact that, that he thought I could have on Bethune Cookman, um, you know, being a white guy in our community. 
um, bridging the gap of, of what a lot of people think HBCUs are. You know, HBCUs are exclusively black. Okay, they're predominantly black, and they were most of these institutions were given because um, you know they weren't allowed to attend higher education. Uh, you know, we were segregated. So I think the misconception of what is an HBCU first, you know, people don't even really understand it. Um, but you know, in terms of hesitation on, on my part or their part, it, you know, if there was on their part, I never felt it. Um, you know, I thought, you know, Lynn looked at this as an opportunity to, to, to bridge the gap in our community and maybe get some people involved that, that maybe didn't know as much about the film equipment. Um, you know, the kind of last thing with that is, Bethune-Cookman has, I'm forever indebted to this institution. Uh, they've given me more knowledge, more education, uh, more than I can ever repay them. And so for me to be a white dude, having the opportunity to, to coach here, um, I can, I will never take it for granted because I'm so thankful to be able to be in this environment and, and continue to learn and, uh, and quite honestly get out of my comfort zone a little bit. Uh, there's a difference of, of coaching young black men versus being at an HBCU. There, there's a difference in that. Um, coach young black men my entire life. Uh, it's still different than being an HBCU where you get a chance to, to really um, understand a lot of things that you may not uh, from the outside. Yeah, and, and you talk about bridging the gap um, in the community, uh, and there's clearly been no like more crucial time for that uh, than these last six months here um, with everything starting with the murder of George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, how, how has it been to... I mean, I don't know if you guys have been on campus because of COVID, but, um, you know, I, clearly like what's needed. Uh, there's there's a lot of people coming together behind the movement. Uh, but what's needed is like white men to speak out on behalf of the black community. Um, that's part of it. Right. Um, so how have you kind of approached that uh, in this last six months here? Yeah, you know, it, it, it has been a little challenging um, in terms of being on campus because, you know, while all that stuff was kind of, I shouldn't say what it started because it's been going on for a really long time. But right. right. The forefront of the media, um, we weren't around our guys. And so we were, you know, in constant communication through Zoom, we're just trying to understand, like, how do you feel? Like, I've never been a, I've never been a young black kid. I, I, I don't, I can't tell you that and tell you I've been able to walk in your shoes. I can't do that. Um, but I have been a man and I, and I can, and I can try to help guide you in some areas, but the, the most impactful thing for me was just to listen, you know, to understand it, to sit there and hear one of the, one of our best players and our best kids say, coach, why, why are these people afraid of me when I go to Walmart? So I have tattoos and long hair. Did my skin start? And to hear a 19 year old kid who I would be honored if he married my daughter to hear him say that, I mean, it, it crushes your heart. And so to sit there and, you know, we're, we're not face to face. I'm, I'm, I'm listening to it on zoom. It just it, it made it so real of man. Hey, what can I do to, to just help educate, help people understand that this thing is real, man? We we gotta make some changes. Um, so as a collective unit, um, you know, we we've kept the conversation going. Um, you know, we, we haven't had a chance to do as much in person because, like I said, we 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 are you know right now we're on lockdown. We had so many social distancing protocols in place. Um, but I think it's just continuing to educate us and, and, and quite honestly, I don't, um, not being afraid to have conversations with people that, that have different views. And, and uh, we're not going to change the world for today or tomorrow or the next day. Um, but I think it's having open-ended conversations and, and being an advocate for what you believe in. I, I believe in equality. I, I believe in, in helping these young people educate themselves. I, I think sometimes we, we as uh, you know, the community, we get scared of things that we may not understand. 
And I think a lot of kids on our team um, and a lot of white people don't understand that. And it becomes scary because they don't understand. And what I got is the story of Justin King or Jordan Priester or, or whoever it is, and you understand, I mean, this is a 3.8 computer in, you know, information system engineering major. This is a dude that's as faithful as it gets. And you get to know, you're like, wow, this dude is pretty impressive. Yeah, he is. He's very impressive. And I think if we can continue to get that stuff out there, um, it can really help uh, open a lot of eyes. And that, that's kind of what you know, I think my, myself and our staff have really been trying to, to get out there is, you know, just one, there isn't uh, any quality. And two, you know, we, we've got plenty of guys on our team and our campus uh, they're living proof that, hey, man, we, we, we've got plenty of options uh, of guys that, that have ability and talent that just need some opportunity. Yeah, that's great stuff, Ryan, and and uh, appreciate the work that you're doing with your guys there. And, and uh, I know they're lucky to have you as a leader of their program. Um, the last thing I want to talk about, Ryan, uh, you know, we talked about your dad earlier. Uh, I don't know that we brought up that, like, Emory Riddles and also in Daytona Beach. Um, so this is pretty unique. Like most people move all over the country in their coaching careers. You mentioned your dad's been at Emory Riddle for 30 plus years and you've changed jobs, but I don't know that you've moved houses. Uh, you've been in Daytona, both at Daytona State and at Bethune-Cookman. Uh, what does it feel like to have like your your dad in the stands? I'm sure when he can be, I'm sure it's hard with you guys' schedules, but like just to have that support. Yeah, no, man, it, it, you know, we, we catch ourselves every once in a while because, um, you know, we, we do realize, you know, get the perspective and how fortunate we are uh, to be, you know, actually, I did actually just move a little mile from it now. We live on the same street. <laughs> so uh, I actually have moved a couple times, but only only by choice, um, you know. Um, so, so man, the, the, the opportunity to have, you know, my mom, my dad, and, and what's even crazy, my wife's family is from me. So, you know, we've got, you know, an entire pass list uh, of people behind us. Um, and, it, and it really is a unique situation because if you just look the other way, my, my younger brother, Reed, you know, he, he's on staff up at, at Georgia Southern with Brian Bird. Um, you know, he's trying to cut his teeth and get in. Well, he's he played professionally in, in Spain and Australia. Then he was at Georgia with Tom Crane for two years. And now he's at Georgia Southern Bird. So, you know, we're in the same profession. Me and my dad get to go, you know, have dinner after a game and read Reed stuck up in, you know, Statesboro this year. It was, you know, Athens last year, was wherever. So it is it is really unique that, you know, we're all in the same profession, but but me and my dad get a chance to, you know, uh, hang out after games. And, and it, it, is, it is really cool. Do you guys talk hoops or do you just talk anything but hoops? You know, it's funny, man. We, we do talk some hoops, but at the end of the day, it's uh, – we're around hoops all day. Uh, all day. Now, now, there's definitely a lot of program questions that I'm asking. You know, how do you do this? How do you do this? But, you know, in terms of actually, like, sitting down and, and watching a basketball game, um, man, there's just – you know, it's got six grandkids, and you've got so many different things going on that um, you should just try to enjoy each other's company. Do you think about um, you probably don't think about it, but like what what do you want your legacy to be when when your career is all said and done? Your dad, obviously, not to keep bringing him up, but, uh, you know, you mentioned he's been at Emory Riddle for 30 plus years. I think he's got the name, his name on the court, right? It, uh, it, it has been approved. It's not on there yet. But OK, well, it's coming. Yeah, it's uh, uh, what do you want your legacy to be, you know, when you get to be his age and uh, towards the end of your coaching career? Uh, no, 
No one's really ever asked you that. Um, you know, I, I would just, I would hope that our guys um, in our staff would just, you know, say that, hey, I was a servant leader. Um, you know, that I was, I was willing to, to do anything for them um, and, and lead them in, in the direction of the servant's heart. And uh, if I can impact a lot of lives that way and, and in a positive direction, you know, that's what I hope they say. You know, I, I think, you know, when it really comes down to it, I love coaching basketball. I love winning championships. I'm not afraid to say that's not a dirty word. I love winning. Um, it's fun. I like having great teams. Um, but at the end of the day, that stuff's going to come and go. And you know, just, I hope that our guys uh, would say, hey, you know, Coach Rick had an unbelievable impact and was a servant leader in the time that I know yeah, and you, you certainly, I, I've been to your practices. You certainly, it's clear that you do love coaching the game. Um, you know, you can see it, you're having fun out there uh, when you're coaching your guys. And you're, like you said, you're, you're coaching them hard. You're telling them the truth. Uh, but you're doing it in a way where not only are you having fun, but like, I think it, it spreads down to your guys. Your, your teams always seem to enjoy themselves, which you don't always see in college basketball, especially with the grind that, it's yeah. become so uh it's fun to watch man uh i hate that your season has been you know canceled uh but i know you guys will be back at it as soon as you can and as soon as it's safe and look forward to seeing what's next for you guys and thanks thanks so much for having me on and, and we're going to navigate through it and we're, we're going to grow and, and get better from it but um definitely man enjoy go spend some time with you i always always like hanging out likewise man good seeing you ryan okay thanks adam What's up, podcast fans? I want to share some information about one of our partners, Lucio Sports. The team at Lucio has built an integrated platform of coaching productivity and player development apps that are being used by some of the best basketball programs around the globe, helping everyone from NBA champions to youth development academies. Their innovative and competitive memorization games make it so much easier for new players and staff members to remotely get caught up to speed. With animated playbooks, drill libraries, player development plan, planning and monitoring, engaging game plans and scouting reports, predictive play drawing, their content services team, and more, Lucio Sports has got you covered. From players to coaches to support staff and executives, use Lucio Sports to securely keep everyone in your organization on the same page with simple on-demand access to your team's entire knowledge base. For more information, Check out luciosports.com. That's L-U-C-E-O sports.com.